Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. How about we pray and ask our Father to help us this morning to listen, to digest, to receive. Father, we thank you for a beautiful time of worship where we can express our heart, our love and praise and adoration to you. Thank you that we got to remember what Jesus did for us, that he was the Lamb of God, so beautifully explained to us by our evangelist who has such a wonderful heart love for people. We're reminded of that and we're refreshed in that again. As we open the Scriptures now, would you speak to us? Would you, by your Spirit, do something in us? We need you. We need you more and more every day. We need to hear from you. We need to know you. We need to understand you. We need to know how to walk with you, to love you, to serve you, to be with you. We love you. Oh, how we love you. Draw us. Draw us into your bosom today, Lord, into your heart. A little bit further than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Well, today I want to talk about the Father heart of God, something more specific that comes within that umbrella, because that's a really broad topic. The whole Bible's about the Father heart of God, and I've only got 30 minutes. (laughs) Can't teach you the whole Bible. But you know, when God created people, He created us with the ability to choose to relate to Him. Otherwise, we'd be robots. He gave us free will. I have free will. You have free will. We have the ability to choose to worship him. We have the ability to choose not to worship him. That means we can choose to love him and we can choose not to love him. But because of his great love, he sent Jesus to deal with everything that stood in the way of his ability to receive us because of our sin and our ability to approach him because of our sin. As Pastor Cherie reminded us, we're the ones that need to remember he's done it all. He's done it all. The Father heart of God is seen through the pages of the New Testament, but in fact through through the whole of the Bible, but none more so than in the parable of what we call the prodigal son. In fact, there were two prodigal sons. One was a... The younger son who was rebellious and wanted to live life and the other one was religious and older and self-righteous. They were both lost, weren't they? And that parable demonstrates to us the father heart of God, how he loves people. But he loves them specifically to be his children. 
Nothing else. To be his children. We are his children. And so I want to frame what I'm going to share today in the context of Jesus' words. Jesus said, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that Jesus speaks, they are spirit and they are life. In his utterances, there is life. The word of God is the seed. Jesus talked about a farmer who sowed seed. In the seed, there is power to bring life. The words of Jesus create, recreate. They, are, they have life. So we see Jesus uh, as creator. John 1, Colossians 2, Hebrews 1 refers to Jesus creator. In the beginning when God created, God spoke and there was life. Every non-person creation when God says, let it be, it was. But when it comes to people, there's an issue. And the issue is not sin. The issue is unbelief. Though that's a sin. When there's unbelief, God can do nothing. Children of Israel didn't enter the promised land in the first place because of their unbelief. Jesus could do no very few miracles in his hometown of Nazareth because of their unbelief. And so when we talk about Jesus' words today, what he says about Father and us as his children, we need to receive them and believe them. And the hardest thing to do is to believe his teaching because it's so revolutionary. It doesn't require anything else just to believe it. Receive it and believe it. So that's my encouragement to us today. How, how do Jesus and the apostles conceptualise what it means to be a Christian or what a Christian is. We have, we have more categories than you can poke a stick at. You know, we have like born-again Christians, spirit-filled Christians, like they're different. We have religious Christians. We have backslidden Christians. We have self-righteous Christians. Have I covered everyone? <laughs> We have, all, we, you know, we, we have all these sorts of categories. But Jesus and the apostles really only want us to understand ourselves, not as Christians who are disciples of Christ, but as sons and daughters of God who's the creator. Jesus didn't redeem us to be moral or good people. He redeemed us to restore us to a relationship with God as Father. The nature of our relationship as a result of everything Jesus did on the cross is that he's our Father now. Now, when we pray, we sometimes pray God or we pray Jesus or we pray Lord and we're all praying to God, same God, so don't have a problem with all of that. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray Father. Why? Well, because that's the nature of the relationship into which we've been redeemed. I mean... Since I've been at this church, no one has ever approached me and said, you know, human? They call me Mike or Michael or Dr. Mike. No one calls me human. Well, that's God. That's who he is. And, and that's not wrong to 
refer to him as God. And I know people have got a wonderful, intimate relationship with God as Father who pray that way. But Jesus said, pray Father. Why? Because it reminds us of the nature of the relationship. And when we're praying Father, we're thinking children. We're thinking children. The Old Testament, God wanted to reveal himself as Father to the whole of the nation, but they continued to rebel away from him. So talking to his disciples, Jesus taught, my God is your God, my Father is your Father. He didn't have a father and then bring us in a relationship with a different father. Our father is his father. In Matthew 5.48, Therefore you shall be perfect, meaning mature, as your heavenly father. Your heavenly father is perfect. He says to his disciples, your heavenly father. How many heavenly fathers do you think there are in heaven? Just one. You know, just one. In Matthew 6.6, when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father. Not to God as his creation, not to Lord as his subjects, but to Father as children. That wonderful passage that we, just, just after this verse, where we call, we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's really the disciples' prayer, pray then in this way, beginning, you remember? Our Father. Our Father is Jesus' Father, is my Father. And Jesus in Matthew 10.32, and these are just a few scriptures. Everyone who confesses me before people, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. My Father is your Father, is our Father, is your Father, is our Father, is my Father, In heaven, that makes us his kids. We were redeemed to be his children, not to be subjects in a kingdom, though we are that. We were created to be his children, not just to creation, though we are that. But when there's a father and there's children, there's family and there is love. Now, right at this point, I know because I've been a pastor for over 35 years, some people find it extremely difficult to relate to God as Father. I know that. Can we just pause that moment, because we're going to get to that. When we pray, we pray our Father, because that's relationship. In Romans 8, 14 to 17, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I love that verse. You know, there are not Christians who are led by the Spirit and other Christians who are not led by the Spirit. The fact that the Spirit is in us, He is leading us, that's what makes us Christians. Now, whether we keep in step with Him or not, that's another matter. But this is talking about every single believer. We are sons of God. And it's talking about sons being those who were heirs and received the inheritance. So this isn't dealing with the agenda. It's not, you know, there's only sons, there's sons and daughters, but it's like the son who received the inheritance in the Greco-Roman world. So unfortunately, some modern Bible translations, when they try and make a gender inclusive, they miss the point because this has to be son 
The son who, because it's only the son that re- received the inheritance. But if we're sons or daughters, we receive the inheritance like the sons in the Greco-Roman world. Does that make, make sense? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in a fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, when you received the spirit, you didn't go into slavery, you went into adoption. That's what that means. And we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Why? Because when we're born again, our spirit is joined to God's spirit, that we are the children of God. Not the subjects in his kingdom. Not the born again of creation. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And in Galatians chapter 4, it says pretty much the same thing. We have been redeemed to be God's children, children who are heirs. And what's this word Abba? Money, money, money. Must be fun. It's not that ABBA. You know, it's not that, you know, that Swedish pop group of the 70s and 80s. I hope that's not too distracting. <laughs> that's terrible. That's why I'm not a singer. ABBA is one of the few Aramaic words in the Greek, amongst the Greek New Testament. And ABBA <clears throat> is a term that a little child maybe just a bit older than a toddler, when they begin to speak and they understand, they sit on daddy's lap and they grab daddy's face in the hands. So Abba, with unadulterated, unhindered, unrelenting, pure affection and love, daddy, papa, daddy, daddy. There's no mature father Ever noticed in Hollywood movies, every now and again they get something right? Not often, but every now and again. Every time a child, nearly always a son, who is a str- doesn't have a good relationship with a father, when he's talking to his father, he always says, Father. Never says Dad. Daddy. Papa. Because Abba, Papa, Daddy is the intimate affection term and the Holy Spirit who is in us who has made us his children and the Father sent us the Spirit of Jesus which is the Holy Spirit to make us children testifies that we are his children and it is he who enables us to say to God the creator Lord of Lords and King of Kings Daddy Abba Papa Daddy that is affectionate And it is intimate. And the scriptures say that's the nature of our relationship. And that is how we pray. Wow. In our identity in Christ class at Numa College, which is being renamed Numa School of the Spirit, as Pastor Corey announced last week, we have a whole subject on identity and we actually spend some time praying Papa, Daddy, and nearly everyone cries when we do that because for many of us that's a bit different. Even though we can intellectually agree yes and our hearts say yes, but to talk to the God of all creation 
in such intimate terms. I remember when I was at doing theological studies, one of our lecturers was very austere, older man, very conservative, non-Pentecostal, beautiful, beautiful, godly man, solid in the word. He talked about this and he criticised people who prayed Jesus, uh, prayed, prayed daddy when they prayed to God or Jesus. Criticised them. Oh, it broke my heart. But that's what Jesus said to do. That's what the scripture says to do. Why? Because it's, it's, it's foreign to our nature. Especially if we want to be morally upright, morally good. Somehow that doesn't mix too well with intimacy with God, does it? So forget about being morally good. Be close to the Father as a daughter or a son and then just obey the Scriptures. And you'll be more than morally good. You'll be living in obedience to the Scriptures. And all of a sudden your life will be transformed. So in crying, Abba, Father, we not only give voice to our consciousness of belonging to God as his child, but also to having status comparable to that of Jesus himself. Wrap your heads around that one. His God is our God. His Father is our Father. You know, this Aramaic term Abba was the term that Jesus used when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane at his most painful hour. And in allowing us to pray like that, he's telling us that we ought to be as intimate with our Father as he is with the Father. And even though Jesus pre-existed as the Word of God and became flesh in the person of Jesus when he was born of Mary, other than that pre-existent God bit, (laughs) I know some of it we just got to believe. Can't get our heads around. Other than that, the nature of our relationship with the Father is the same as Jesus, which makes him our brother. Makes, that's, that's what makes us, you know, what we call ourselves brothers and sisters in church? Because we have the same Father, same Spirit. So Jesus redeemed us to have a relationship with God as Father. Didn't, re- didn't redeem us just for a ticket to heaven. Didn't redeem us just to be morally pure. Didn't redeem us to, you know, tell the world that they ought to be good people, put up placards and don't do this and don't do that. If we just talk to people about being sons and daughters of Jesus, I think the gospel spread like a wildfire. But that's just the thought. I'm not an evangelist. (laughs) Am I in the ballpark, Pastor Sheree? (laughs) So all this said... I know many of us find it hard to relate to God as Father. Maybe not many, maybe some, but maybe a significant some. Jesus, and I've heard lots of people, and maybe more ladies than men, but many men too, over 35 years, I can relate to Jesus as my God, but I can't relate to God as Father. And when I ask why, it's because they didn't have a good relationship with their own Father. So we understand that. I want to tell you a couple of stories. I want to tell you a story of a healing 
And I'll tell you a story of a tragedy. Tragedy in my family that should have made me, should have made it impossible for me to relate to God as Father. But first, in 1985, when I was a the Dean of Life Ministry Bible College, Life Ministry Church is the church that runs Oxley College, a wonderful Christian school in the far eastern suburbs in Chernside Park. <clears throat> Every Saturday night, or once a month, we used to have a formal dinner. And uh, we'd all get dressed up and suits and cook and put on this really great dinner and uh, senior pastors and the pastors would come and we'd mingle and it was just a really fun, really good time. And one of the things that we were asked to do was a single men, because we're singles and marrieds there, it was a full-time living college. The, uh, the single men would go to the single ladies' dormitory, because on the other side, and, and just escort them when they were ready to the dining room. So one of these months, might have been the first one, <clears throat> one of these guys comes to me the Saturday night, the, the Saturday afternoon, the, the, the earlier that day, says, this escorting to the dining room thing, I, I can't do that. I said, how come? Well, I'm engaged. I said, well, you don't have to kiss her or anything. It's not a date. It's just a, we're just being gentlemanly. It might be old-fashioned and, you know, it might be outdated, whatever. But we're just trying to be, our senior pastor asked us to do that. So we're just trying to treat the ladies like ladies. And, you know, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So I'm trying to understand. So I'm 25, so... I'm young in the ministry. I haven't got a ton of experience. So I'm saying, Lord, how do I help this guy? And so I'm asking questions. And he said something about his dad. And I saw that his face contorted a little bit. It's like he flinched when he mentioned his dad. Finished what he was saying. And I said, tell me about your dad. And I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do that. And he just began to weep. And he... Loudly, you know those, like the belly cries from the belly, the, like the worst pain in the world, like tears and snot all over my desk, in my, in my office. And my goodness. Took a while for him to be able to talk. So I said, why are you crying? He began to tell me about his father, how he used to beat him. When he was young, he had a motorcycle accident off-road, had concussion, he couldn't do sports growing up. So he had two older brothers, three older brothers maybe, uh, and they were all great athletes, sportsmen, and he couldn't, he couldn't do sports like them because of this concussion and they, they played sports and they did well, they got his father's affirmation. He got no attention from his dad, so he, he learned the wrong way to play up to get his father's attention, but he'd always do the wrong thing to get his father's attention, so his father would lean him over the bed and belt him with his strap. They, had a, they didn't have a relationship. It was painful. So I said, describe one of these situations. And we went into prayer. And he described how his father was, had leaned him over his bed, took his belt off, and he's just laying into him. And I said, where's Jesus in the room? Now, don't try this at home. Well, you can. Because <laughs> Jesus is always there, somehow. Uh, and I don't know. How to explain this theologically. But he said, I can't see him. I said, look around. And he sees himself. He's watching and I'm watching. He's leaning over. His father's belting in him and he looks, turns around and Jesus is behind him. 
And then something appears to change in his demeanour and I say, so what's happening? So Jesus is leaning over the bed. My father's belting him for me. Well, right about this time, I'm nearly crying. And then he stops. And then Jesus tells his father, he loves him. And his father says to this young man, who was 24 at the time, I'm sorry, I beat you because my father beat me. I don't know any better. And the three of them embraced him, his father and Jesus. And he forgave his father right there and there as we we're praying in the spirit. So we went through, went, went to the uh, formal dinner that night. Everything went well. And I was telling Alan Meyer during the week, this, this is what happened. And he says, wow, that's amazing. The father and the son went to Alan's church. So that's extraordinary because on Sunday, which was the day after, I preached on relationships in the family. Guess who was the first one to go out? The young man. Guess who was the second one to go out? Father. And guess what they did? They embraced at the altar. Wept. And his father said, forgive me. And he forgave his father. And there was healing. And that changed his relationship with God. That's possible. But both people have to be able to have to be willing for God to do that work in their lives. And for some of us, that may never happen. What happens when when things can't be healed, things can't be reconciled in the family? Well, many years ago, when I was born, I had a a big sister, 15 months older than me. Beautiful, blonde, vivacious girl who loved life, and a heart for people, just love people. When she was young, my father molested her for quite some years and messed her up. When she was six, she ran away from home. When she was 13 or 15, she ran away from home. And the trauma of that, which we didn't know about until just before she passed away, affected her. She became an alcoholic. She drank heavily, didn't eat much, was addicted to prescription drugs. And at the age of 35, she she had cirrhosis of the liver, cancer of the liver, was hospitalised, had a bleed and went into a coma and I flew up to Queensland where she was and for for seven days sat by bed and prayed. We found out just before she went into hospital what our father had done to her. And on the seventh day, she died. For two years, I was tormented. And I didn't know know why. I needed someone to help me understand that what I was feeling was if I forgave my father, I'd be betraying my sister, saying that it would be okay what he did. This is in my subconscious. I need someone to help explain this to me. And if I forgave my father, if I didn't forgive my father, I would be betraying God, which is also incomprehensible to me. 
So for two years, this was just below the surface, I felt tortured, tormented in my mind because of what happened. On top of the grief of losing my beautiful sister, whom I was very close to, and on top of the reason, dealing with the reason why she died, dealing with this forgiveness thing. And so when somebody helped me understand that, I realised my first allegiance is to God. So I chose to forgive. It wasn't easy, but I chose to. I chose to forgive. It doesn't mean that God forgave my father and he didn't have to deal with the consequences of what he did. He did. He had to deal with that. And he never apologised, never acknowledged it. A few weeks ago, uh, in the evening, Pastor Stacy preached. And many people came forward. It's a great message. And I just sat in the seat over there where I was sitting and I just began to pray. And God began to speak to me. He said, you don't have trouble relating to me as father, do you? I said, no. He said, you should. I said, why? Because of what your father was like. I said, but you're not like him. He said, no, I'm not. Teach people that. Teach people that. Can't relate to God, our father, through our experience of our own father. Nothing alike. Now, those of us who have had good fathers find it easier. But we still relate to him because of our earthly father. We need to find ways through the scriptures of understanding who God is and then just believing that. Not interpreting it through our experience. Not passing it through the grid of our Father's experience of us. And God said, teach people that. Teach people that. And I don't know, that's what I'm trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do. Some of you say, well, I've got a wonderful relationship with my father. Well, praise God for that. Would you encourage others then in your walk with them, your relationships with them to relate to God as father? But if you're struggling, there's two things we can do. Find healing, like my friend in Bible college was healed with his father and that changed his relationship with God. Or you simply choose to to believe what the scriptures say. Because if we believe what the scriptures say, as Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. If we receive the words of Jesus, which is the New Testament about God being our father, if we receive that, they'll bring life in us because the spirit will take it and do something in our hearts because he's the God of creation, isn't he? He's the God of the new creation, isn't he? And he's the God of the recreation. If there's something broken in us, it can be healed. Something missing in us, it can be added. Something dysfunctional in our thinking, it can be renewed. Anything in us that is less than what God desires for us, he can repair. He can heal. He can restore. Because all he wants is to relate to us as kids. And he wants us to say to him, 
Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. That's why he sent Jesus. It was the only way. The Lamb of God, prophesied from all the Old Testament as Pastor Sheree shared. He became the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for our sins. Now, when our sins are dealt with, there's nothing standing in the way of us relating to God as he wants us to relate to him. And that's not as God, the creator, not as Lord, king of his kingdom, but as Papa, Daddy. Changes everything. Changes everything. Because when we're kids and we do something wrong, we don't stop being kids. When we're subjects in a kingdom where we do the wrong thing, we get, we're scared we might get kicked out of the kingdom. You with me? Kids do something wrong, they're still kids. Just got to deal with what they did wrong. And that's why we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This, a forgiveness can be ongoing. But our heart has to be for him as father. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.